This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Rusty Gray and Toya Christian Fellowship. For more information, visit tcfministries.org. We're going to continue our series uh, called Not a Fan. Pastor Rusty uh, started this series last week, and uh, we're going to continue with uh, week two. Uh, part two of this series. This is a four-week part series. And uh, Pastor, if you're reading the book, if you've been kind of following along, you'll know that Pastor covered uh, chapters one and two last week. And so I'm going to jump into uh, chapter three, uh, which talks a little bit about knowing God versus knowing about God. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you would, just close your eyes, and I want to pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that as I speak, that you would speak through me, Father. It would not be my words, but your words, and that it would sink deep into our hearts, and that you would uh, show us the areas that we're being a fan, and that you would help to show us how to become a follower. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, before we jump into it, I want to tell you something about the book, a little bit about the book. Uh, this book, just as Pastor talked about last week, I love how he said he read the first two chapters. You know, he jumped into chapter one and it immediately began to challenge him. And that's your pastor, right? If anybody should not be challenged by a book, you would think it would be your pastor because he's like a, a spiritual Jedi, which he is. And if you don't know what a Jedi is, you can go home and Google that later. And, and, and so and that, that, that's what he is. But what I love about Pastor is his openness to this book and to allow it to minister to him. So if you're reading this book and you've read the first chapter and maybe you jumped into a few and you think, I really am not understanding it. I'm really not getting it. I really don't understand what everybody's talking about in this book, what they're seeing. Here's the, the easiest way to get some help on this. When you sit down to read this book, if you read a chapter a night or maybe a chapter a week, when you sit down, just very quickly say, God, as I read this, show me how I'm being a fan and how I can become a follower. Because I believe in all of our lives, we have areas that we're a fan, right? My, myself, I have an area in my life that I can be a fan and not a complete follower of Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you, as you read this book, as you listen to the series, as you, you join the life group on Monday nights, uh, just talk to God and say, God, I need your help um, on, on how, to, how to understand this. Now, in, in American culture, we're very consumed with celebrities, right? And, and in our culture, we love sports. And those people that play sports to us, in a sense, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on it, are gods. You know, if you talk about, you know, DeMarcus Ware or anybody from the Cowboys besides Tony Romo, you probably like them very, very much, right? And, and, and you know, we talk about movie stars, and you might think about old movies uh, back to, you know, maybe John Wayne Westerns or maybe the James Bond movies. And as we watch movies and we see actors or actresses, we begin to think that we know this person, right? If you were in the mall this week and you saw Tom Cruise, you would act like you know Tom. You're like, yo, yo, Tom, hey, hey, I mean, right? We would act like we know him. And even though I may, you know, and I don't personally, you might know, you know, football, you might know their workout regimen, you might know what they eat, you might know the size of pants they wear, how tall they are, how fast they can run a mile. You might know a lot about them, but you don't know them, right? I I could know a lot about Tom Cruise. I could do a lot of research and find out everything he likes, but I don't know him, right? Now, I, I know Bebo, Right? I mean, we've met, we've hung out, we, we volunteer together, and so I, I know him. Okay, but see, I don't know Tom Cruise. And a lot of times in our Christianity, we're faced with the same thing about God. See, we can know a lot about God, but we don't know God. 
And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and that's what we're going to discover. And what we're going to talk about is, is a Pharisee. And, and last week, a uh, pastor talked about uh, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, and today we're talking about a Pharisee named Simon. And um, we're going to tell a story of his encounter with Jesus and, and what he went through. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about the Pharisees. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, and a lot of us can fall into that category. We can fall into this problem of we can honor God with our lips. We can talk it up really good. I can maybe quote a couple of verses, or I at least know John three sixteen. You know, uh, maybe you grew up in church and grew up in Sunday school. And if we went to your house in your closet, you'd have at least a couple of Christian T-shirts. If we went out to the parking lot, your car would have a fish bumper sticker on it. Right on Facebook, you follow Jesus on Facebook. You have that little cool picture where he's doing this at the camera on your Facebook. Right? And, and, and if we looked at your life on the outside, we could see how the, it seems that you follow Jesus. Now, if we jump down to the scariest verse... In the entire Bible. The absolute most terrifying verse I've ever read is this verse right here. Matthew 7, 22 through 23. And Jesus is speaking. And he said, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, performed miracles in your name. But I, Jesus, will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Now you can see highlighted in yellow, it says, I never knew you. Now, here's the scary part about that verse. You know, raise your hand if you've prophesied in the name of the Lord. If you, and I'm sure there's a few of us, right? If you've ever cast out a demon in the name of the Lord, right? There's, there's a few, yeah, right, pastor. He's been there, done that. Miss Vicky, I, we've heard the stories, right? And, and if you've ever performed miracles in his name, right? Well, some of those things, I'm like, I've never done that. And the Bible says that people are going to get to heaven and they're going to say, but God, we, 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 you know, I cast out that devil out of that guy at church that time. I raised that guy from the dead. He was asleep in his bed and I raised him, right? And he's going to say, oh, that's great, you know, hallelujah, but I never knew you. I mean, look, look at the, the, the problem here. How could you perform all these miracles but never know Jesus? See, so we could look at our lives and say, well, I, hey, I've been to church. You know, I, I, I brought my Bible. I've, you know, I've got, you know, I bet everybody's got more than one Bible. You pull out your cell phone. I got it on my phone, right? We could look at your life and say, well, you know, they're probably a great Christian. But those people got to heaven who had performed miracles. And he said, you know, depart from me because I never knew you. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but that absolutely scares the snot out of me. I'm just saying, I'm going to get to heaven. God, I know I didn't do much, but I love you. Right? I mean, come on. It's like, sweet Lord Almighty. So we're going to jump into this story about Simon. Jesus is speaking, and Simon is a Pharisee. And after he's speaking somewhere, he, he comes up to Jesus and says, hey, why don't you come over to my house for dinner? And why don't you join me uh, for a meal? And... Um, Back in that day, there was a lot of customs of what you did 
when you invited a guest over, right? If, if somebody invited me to their house today, probably for lunch, you know, you probably prepare a meal. Uh, you know, you might tidy up the house a little bit. Uh, when I knock on the door, you know, you'd come answer and say hello, shake my hand, maybe hug me, uh, you know, and you'd welcome me into your house. So kind of back in that day, they kind of had some of those same customs. And it was custom in that day that when you invited someone, when, you, when they came to the house, that you would kiss them on the cheek. That's how they greeted back then. Instead of like today, we would shake hands. Uh, you know, if I invited Dylan over for lunch, when he got there, I would kiss him on the cheek, right? And so that's, that was one of the things. Uh, the second thing was is people back in that day wore sandals and everything was dirt roads. There was no concrete asphalt or Toyota Priuses. It was sandals and feet. So when you walked, right, your feet got dirty. They got covered in dirt. And, and, and so what they would do is when you would come in, they would greet you with a kiss and then they would give you a bowl of water to wash your feet. Now there was three things. If, I, if you were highly revered, see if you invited pastor to your house for lunch, you would wash his feet. Okay, you would get down with a towel and you would wash them. Okay, if we're kind of equals, you, you know, or I, I might have my servant wash your feet. Okay, I might say, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Servant, come over here and wash pastor's feet. Or I would just give him a bowl of water and say, here, you can wash your feet and clean your feet off because they're, they're dirty. And so those are the two, two of the things uh, that they would do. And then the other thing is, is that they would anoint your head with oil. Just like we, if you came up for prayer, they would take a, an oil and they would put it on your head just as a blessing and just to say that, you know, hey, this, it was just an act of, of love or, or kindness towards this person. And as we look at this story, when Jesus gets to Simon's house, he doesn't do any of this. So Jesus gets to Simon's house for dinner, probably after he's been speaking. He gets there. I, I imagine he goes into the home, and Simon doesn't greet him with a kiss on the cheek. It would be as if you came to my house this afternoon for lunch, knocked on the door. I went and opened the door for you and didn't speak a word to you. And maybe not even open the door for you. And you just walk in, and I ignore you and act like you're not there. Then he doesn't even offer Jesus any water to wash his feet. So his feet are dirty. I mean, he doesn't even have the courtesy to say, here's some water. So I imagine that as Jesus goes into this, he immediately knows that Simon is doing this out of mockery, right? He's doing this. All the Pharisees are getting together to, to alienate and mock Jesus. And then he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't greet him with a kiss. He doesn't offer him any water to wash his feet. And then he doesn't anoint him with oil. So if you can imagine, he walks into this house full of Pharisees, because Simon's a Pharisee, all his Pharisee buddies are there, uh, they're a religious group, and they're all there, and Jesus is there, and they're ignoring him. Probably every one of us at one time or another in your life, you've been somewhere, maybe to a, a, a party or a dinner or an event where you felt out of place. And you thought, wow, I kind of don't, I don't fit in here. I don't know about this. And people are kind of talking and you're kind of trying to, and I imagine for a moment, you know, Jesus was kind of like, you know, a little surprised that they're going to do this. And so what they do is they prepare a meal. And if you can imagine, the meal was out in like a courtyard. So if you could imagine like a gazebo or in the backyard of a house and the streets kind of run down the sides of this gazebo. So people that are walking up and down the street and in town can see into this backyard or this, this uh, covered area uh, where they're having a meal. 
And as they're sitting down eating, I imagine the Pharisees are all talking. Jesus is at one end of the table. And I imagine maybe the meal is coming to an end. They finished eating. And they're kind of all kind of just relaxed, lounging around the table. And I'm sure Jesus is just there. You know, the thing about Jesus, Jesus was very confident. Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't insecure in the sense that we were insecure. So he wasn't like, man, I'm ready to get out of here. You know, he was very secure in who he was. So he's sitting there lounging, relaxing. And then all of a sudden... Out of one of the doors off the street, this woman walks in. Now, do you ever see people like, you you can see people around town that walk, right? Maybe in the grocery store, right? We go to Sam's in Amarillo. I don't know if you've ever been to Sam's Club in Amarillo. We go there to buy supplies for Ground Zero and Power Kids. And all it is is a wholesale place. You can, you know, get huge bags of chips and, you know, 36 cases of Cokes and things like that. Okay, there's people that just shop and then there's people that shop with a mission, right? There's people that will run you over with their basket and laugh as they do it, right? They're on a mission. You can tell like, whoa, get out of that person's way because they are on a mission. So I imagine as this woman stepped off the street, they're having a dinner. You know, think about it. You're eating out in your backyard in a, you know, your little gazebo having a cool little dinner. You know, you're having some steak and mashed potatoes. And then all of a sudden out of the corner of your eye, you see this woman very intently walking with her eyes set to your guest. And you're like, you know, I'm sure as this woman approached immediately, it all caught their eye. All the Pharisees looked up. And then as they looked up, they immediately noticed who she was. And she was the local prostitute. And so, so immediately, you know, you ever get in a, a situation that you're nervous and you can feel your heart start to beat? I'm sure their stomachs kind of sucked up in there like, oh my God, what is going on? You know how when you're in church and it's praise and worship and all of a sudden it kind of gets quiet and somebody in the back's like, woo! And you're like, who is that? Don't look. That's, that's how they all felt. That's exactly how they all felt. And they thought, oh my God. So she immediately makes a beeline to Jesus. And as she gets to him, I imagine that she probably didn't even notice the other men in the room. Okay. Now she's probably dressed in some kind of dress. It's probably dirty. Her hair's up, uh, you know, in a bun type, uh, fix. And I be, she collapses to her feet and she begins to weep. She just begins to cry. And as the, the tears run down her face and drip off of her cheeks onto his feet, she can see that his feet are covered in dirt. And if you can imagine, the tears roll through the dirt and begin to turn to mud. And as she must be crying very, very heavily for this to be happening, right? You know how when a kid gets in trouble or doesn't get what they want, they begin to bawl. You know, they bawl and squall. When we were kids, we would get whippings. And uh, Ashley and I, if we ever got whippings, Ashley was a beast, right? She didn't care. You know, she was like a convict. She'd grab the edge of the bed and be like, give me the best you got. I started bawling when the drawer opened, right, to get the paddle out. And I'm like, please, No. Okay, so I imagine that she's crying just uncontrollable tears that are running down her face and onto his feet. She immediately notices that his feet begin to turn to mud. So what does she do? What any normal person would do, she reaches up and she lets her hair down. And I imagine it all falls down around her face. Now, okay, now this, in that day, if I was with your wife back then and she let her hair down, you could divorce her. Okay, That was a very intimate gesture to let your hair down. Okay, women did not do that in public. You only did that at home in a room with your husband. Okay, that was the only place that that you were supposed to do that. So when she does that, I imagine everybody at the table is like, (gasps) you know, oh my God. Well, then her hair becomes soaked with her tears and she begins to wipe the mud from his feet with her hair. 
And then because she was a prostitute, around her neck she carried a very expensive perfume because she had to use that for her clients. And what she does is she washes his feet off and she opens that perfume up and she pours it all over his feet. Now you can imagine the shock at the table. How these Pharisees are just like, whoa, what is going on? You know, some of those men were probably clients of hers. And they're like, oh my God, please don't say anything. Don't look at me. You know, look at him. Right? And so then we jump into Luke 7 verse 40. And this is going on, and here's where Jesus starts talking. And I I love this. It says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Okay, so they're all thinking, and Jesus can hear it all. He knows what they're all thinking about. Okay, so he's doing some Jedi mind tricks. And he says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. And, you know, he says, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That is right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, so he's sitting down, the woman's still at his feet, and he, he, he begins to look at her, and he, he's still talking to Simon and says, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you did not offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglect the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But the person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, here's what I want you to see about this. Okay, let me give you a little backstory on Pharisees and what they had to do to become a Pharisee, right? You didn't just send in your application and online. That There was a rigorous program. By the age of 12, they had to memorize the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible. Okay, so 12. We're talking 12 years old, Genesis through Deuteronomy, They had all of that memorized. All right? You know, I'm proud that I know John 3.16 and 2 Timothy 1.7, right? They had all of that. By the time they're 12 years old, I mean, we got 12-year-olds in ground zero. You know, we're talking 6th, 7th grade. All of that, okay? So if they were in the top of their class... If they, if they were like, wow, that kid's got it, you know, he's got potential. You know, I mean, what was like the test like? Okay, Simon, uh, you have two hours, go ahead and get started. And he just starts, you know, quoting Genesis, you know, chapter one, you know, four. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. I mean, he just he starts quoting all of this from heart. That's by age 12. And if he was really good at it, okay, top of his class, maybe top five, then he got to go on in school. So from 12 uh, to 15, they had to memorize the entire Old Testament. So by the time they were 15 years old, they had all of that memorized by heart. He could quote the Bible better than all of us put together. There was no New Testament yet. 
So the scrolls, he knew all of it by heart. Think if I got up here to preach, how impressed you would be if I didn't need a Bible. I could just quote everything. Right? I mean, if, if this guy, Simon, came to church, every one of us would be blown away by how much Bible he knows. We would be astonished at what he could do. So by age 12, he had the first five books. By age 15, he, he had the whole entire Old Testament. If he did really good by 15, he was then invited by a rabbi to follow a rabbi until he was 30. From 15 to 30, he would follow a rabbi. And a rabbi, we know, is just a teacher and a teacher of religious law. And so what, what I read is, is that they would do everything the rabbi would do. They would eat the same food. They would eat the same way. They would sleep the way they slept. They would get up when they got up. They would go to bed when they go to bed. When they would walk down the road, they would follow perfectly behind them. And, and the term came to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Wherever they got, they were dusty because he would walk in front of them. Okay, so we know this guy, he's older than 30 because he's already a Pharisee. So he's probably a little older than Jesus because Jesus started his ministry in his 30s. So they're right around the same age, you know. And you know what they know about Jesus? Bro, you're a carpenter. You didn't go through, you know, you dropped out at, at 12. You know, you couldn't hack it because he, he was a carpenter. It doesn't say that he finished. All of the disciples couldn't finish. Why? Because they, he picked them up with their dads. At 12, you know, you, you, you know, like me, I'd get through the first four chapters of Genesis, and I'm like, I don't know anything else. I'm like, great, son, go home, go work for your dad. Whatever he does, you do. But Simon was able to do all of this. There's over hundreds of prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, about his coming to the earth, where he would come from, everything that would happen. He had all of them memorized by heart. But Jesus stood in the living room and he didn't recognize him. He knew every prophecy that Jesus would come to the earth, where he would come from, how he would get there, everything that we read at Christmas about that, he knew all of them by heart, had them memorized. He could get up in front of a class and quote them all. But Jesus stood in the living room and he couldn't recognize him. Now here's the thing that blows my mind. We then go to the woman who's a prostitute. What does Jesus say about her? Her sins are many. How did she recognize him? She knew no Bible, Okay, she wasn't at synagogue every Sunday with her hands in the air during worship, right? She didn't go to those places. She wasn't welcome in those places. She stayed away from the Pharisees. Why? Because they were, they were vindictive and very hard and very rude and mean. So she stayed away from all of that. So I can imagine that earlier, maybe that day, maybe that week, she was somewhere that he was teaching. And, and maybe from across the room, across the yard, maybe they made eye contact. And maybe Jesus looked at her and she looked at him and Jesus looked at her like no other man had ever looked at her before. Every other man she'd come in contact with her had, uh, you know, exposed lust for her. But all Jesus had was love. All Jesus showed to her was love. And so I can imagine what this did for her, this unconditional love that she experienced from just a look at Jesus. So much so that she knew where he was having dinner. I mean, I don't know if she's at her house thinking, should I go over there, should I not? Maybe she just accidentally walked by and saw him and thought, oh my God, there's that guy from earlier today and went in and collapsed at his feet and began to weep and clean his feet. But think about how she recognized Jesus. You know, we'd all like to think if Jesus came into church this morning, you know, came early and was like, hey, I'm new, you know. Uh, can I get a coffee? That we'd all recognize him, Right? 
Well, maybe because you would recognize him because you've read a couple of Christian books or you, know, you have a Christian t-shirt or you read your Bible every morning. Or, I mean, Simon did it better than all of us. Better than all of us. But the woman with many sins recognized him. And the key word in all of this is love, is love, is that she recognized the love that he, he showed to her. Now, uh, uh, as we go back up to Matthew uh, 7, 22 through 23, or just 23, verse 23, it says, but I reply, and Jesus says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's law. So we have these people, uh, in the verse I read that says on judgment day, they'll cry out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, and we cast out demons, perform miracles in your name, and he'll say, but I never knew you. Okay, the New King James version of Genesis 4.1 says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Okay, uh, it says, you know, Adam knew Eve, his wife. That's kind of boring. The New Living Translation of Genesis 4.1 says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to her son Cain, she said, The Lord has helped me produce a man. Okay, so the first verse, it says that he knew his wife. In one translation, the New King James and the New Living, it says that he had sexual relations with his wife. The word new out of the New King James in Hebrew translates to yada, Y-A-D-A, yada. And it means to be known and, or to know and to completely be known. To know and to completely be known. So in that verse, it says, you know, they say, hey, we perform miracles. You can imagine Simon, you know, when he got to heaven and there's Jesus and he's like, whoa, bro, Time out. Sorry about the meal. I'll kiss you now. We can call it good. Right? It says in that verse, Jesus tells them all, I never knew you. I never knew you. Which means that, that, that I, I, it doesn't matter what you've done. So it didn't matter what Simon had done. Right? As Christians, what do we fall into? What I have done. What books I have read. What life group I've been through. What retreats I've been on. See, all of those things are great. And I know I'm running out of time, but it, what matters is that I know God. I just don't know about God. See, I can read the Bible and I can learn a lot about God, but never know God. Right? That word yada, to be known and completely be known, right? Megan and I, we know each other, right? I don't know any other woman in this room like I know Megan, right? Because we're married. And, and that's what it says in the Bible. When Adam and Eve had sex, they, they were known and completely known by each other. Their souls became tied together. See, I believe with all my heart that marriage is an image of heaven. Right? Now, if you're in a bad marriage, you're like, holy crap. <laughs> right? No, that doesn't sound good. But if you look at marriage, you look at how marriage, you know, Marriage was created by God. Look at over the decades, over the centuries, how marriage has been attacked. Nothing else in the world has been so fiercely attacked as marriage and the family by the devil. That's why the government is forcing gay marriage down our throat, right? Because the devil wants to destroy that. You know, what does the devil do when you date? He does everything he can to get you to have sex before you have married. Once you get married, he does everything he can to keep you from having sex. Right? Yeah, if you've been married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Okay, and, and, and so because you become known and completely known, and that's the relationship we're supposed to have with God. When that woman fell at Jesus' feet and let her hair down, that was an intimate gesture, okay? That was very intimate what she did for Jesus. Have you ever touched anybody's feet, right? You don't touch people's feet. It's intimate just to touch a person's feet, right? You give your wife a foot massage, right? You don't give your secretary a foot massage, Right? <laughs> I mean, you just don't. You don't go up to a coworker. I'd like to give you a foot massage at lunch break. You know, this would be great. No, we don't do that because that's a very intimate gesture. And so she goes through all of this. That verse says to be known and completely known by God. All right, now I'm going to tie all this together with Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's a scary way to find out if you're a fan. Okay, if your spouse could describe you in one word, what word would they use? If your kids, without you in the room, could talk about you and the way you treat them and the way you act around them and the way you act with no one else around, what would they say about you? If I could go talk to your coworkers, those you work with, maybe your employees, those you work over, or a boss, what would they say about you? What would the people around you, how would they describe you? And sometimes we have to take a very hard look at this reality and, and, and not think, oh, well, you know, my spouse loves me. And, and I'm sure they do. How would your siblings talk about you, your brothers and sisters? How would your parents talk about you? Right? What did that woman do? Jesus said, she has shown me great love. That's all she did. He didn't say, she has memorized verses. She has been to church. She she has shown me great love. And he said, and her sins are many but they are forgiven. He says that the first greatest commandment, the Pharisees in that verse are saying, hey, what about the 10th commandments? He says the first is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is you love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know how you quit being a fan? Is you show great love to everyone you come in contact with. We always have a saying about camp. The kid that annoys you the most needs you the most. Right? That person in your life, that brother or sister, that, that parent, that aunt, that uncle, that coworker, that boss that you can't stand and wouldn't care if they got hit by a bus this afternoon, they're the one that needs your love the most. The way you walk this out, just, you know, you think about that story about the Pharisee and, and, and the woman, and you think about which one am I? Do I just know a lot about God, or have I shown God great love? I want to read you a quote. It says, when has the last time you demonstrated your love to Jesus in reckless abandonment? When is the last time you demonstrated your love to Jesus in reckless abandonment? Think about what that woman did. I mean, you know, myself included, we would never do that. We can't raise our hands in church, much less walk into somebody's backyard, fall down, let our hair down, start and you may think, well, if Jesus was really here, I could do that. You know, if he was sitting on the front row, I'd wash his feet, you know. But when's the last time you have expressed your love to Jesus in reckless abandonment? 
When's the last time you've done that to your children, to your spouse, to your brothers and sisters, to your parents, to your coworkers, to your boss? What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. The way you be a follower is you show love to everyone around you. Jesus told Peter, come with me and I'll show you how to fish for men. And he dropped his nets and he went. Bow your heads and let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that you would fill us with your love as we are filled with your Holy Spirit and with your presence. Father, that we would reflect that love everywhere we go. Father, that we would begin to express our love for you in reckless abandonment. That we wouldn't be fans, Father, in the areas in our life that we have fan, that we are a fan, that you would show that to us. That you would, you would bring light to that area and that you would walk with us and guide us to change that. And that we would become dedicated followers of you. And everywhere we go that we would reflect the love of God, because we have been filled with your presence, Father. I pray that you would just speak to us and minister to us this afternoon, Father, and, and help us walk this out. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. All right, y'all go ahead and stand up. Be sure if you haven't gotten a book yet, you can get one for $5 at the Red Desk. Uh, no Ground Zero Empower Kids this next week. We love y'all, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday.